0: I wanted to do hoodwash stuff with my friend. Well, you're sorry, hugging me. It doesn't matter what your name is. uh, Welcome on your top five tonight. Friday, November 5th, episode 125 of the Hesi. Brought to you by basketballgods.net. Let's start in LA. <laughs> we gotta start in LA, man. I I got a I got a lot to cover on this episode here. So, Thunder Lakers rematch. We all remember how spicy it ended in Oklahoma City a week ago. Russ, big, mad, young Darius Basley. we covered it, right? It was like, okay, okay, so Lakers, little revenge game here at the Staples Center. You expect them to come out and just thump this young Thunder team. What, did AD start like seven of seven or something like that? He's just killing them. Like, all right, bet. As to be expected, let me flip it over to Suns Rockets. I watched that first half where the Rockets kind of gave the Suns some trouble, but it it, it feels like everybody's giving the Suns some trouble these days, right? And they they eventually pulled away in the third quarter. JaVale McGee was a big part of that. Um, We'll talk about Sarver here in a little bit. So I go back to the fourth quarter and I'm like, wait, wait, wait. Thunder have pulled back again from down 19 in the fourth quarter. And I'm watching SGA cook these dudes Every time I turn on the Lakers, they've got Avery Bradley on some elite young score. and I, I kind of just feel bad for him at this stage in his career. Like, not that he can't do it in phases, but I think they're asking too much of Avery Bradley right now. Does uh, Shea have the best Euro step in the league? I'm trying to think here. Uh, it's got to be up there, right? The way his change of pace and just the the ground that he covers when he changes directions, it's it's drastic. He can get across the paint. Right? A lot of guys can shift a guy. He'll get across the paint on you and finish with that length. And then you see him pull up with the nothing to lose dagger three from the logo. I mean, the way he let it just was so sudden and startling the way he let it go, kind of flat footed from the logo, like "Eh? what ain't no pressure. I think think we got to take into account what SGA and and some of these young dudes in, in Oklahoma City are doing. Like I credit them for playing hard. That shot was a was a perfect example of how little pressure they're playing with. Like, do you think he takes that shot on, on a team where, you know, with Chris Paul there, you think he takes that shot? You, you know what I'm saying? So anyway, that was just a, a crazy dagger three. And I'm watching Muscullah's out there, right? Now, they put Derek Favors back in to finish the game, but there was like a five-minute phase for the Lakers where they let the Thunder live with Muscullah on AD while it turned into the rush show. So Russ gives us his typical closing act, right? He comes down, turns the ball over, has just an a unbelievable defensive mishap, right? Where they're coming off and, and you saw Dort get the dunk. He just leaves Dort. I don't know if he thought they were going to foul SGA there and the play was going to blow dead or what, but he just, no discipline, right? And then, and then, down three because the funny thing was to me, Oklahoma City was almost welcoming the loss at the end, right? Was it what's his name, Dagna, the uh, the new coach, right? He, I mean, they were going under the screens, they let Melo get off a couple threes. It was the, oh, this young Thunder team, you can see why they blow leads, right? They were begging for the L. So, despite all the mishaps from Russ, they're only down three right? No timeouts, about eight seconds. He comes pushing it into the front court and Oklahoma City lays out a red carpet for him to take the pull up three. They're like, "Ah, here you go, bro. Here you go. I was like, oh my, you know what happens? He clanks it. He clanks it. I seriously question if Oklahoma City, at least the coach wanted to win the game. You don't foul there. I guess, hey, they won anyway, but some of their decision-making late in that game, it made you feel like, well, they wanted to hang and make the point that they could hang and then take that L. They're collecting L's but it's the Lakers that take an L again against this Thunder team. The same thing, down 19, they come back and do it on their home floor, man. It's a bad look, man. Like, like my guy on Twitter is asking me, you going to kill Russ? Like, man, I have some empathy for Russ right now. <laughs> look, I, my very first video, I believe, on YouTube was a Russell Westbrook video. I've brought it up. It's like numbers, the numbers lie or something like that. Those that watch the game and understand the game know this is who he's been, man. And Russell Westbrook, I respect him as a man, as a family man. I respect that he stands in who he is, right? Like he is who he is and he owns it. So despite the wacky outfits in the super low basketball IQ, I respect who he is as a man. And what Russell Westbrook is, is one of the greatest athletes that has ever played in the NBA. But now that he's aging, it's just going to end ugly, right? He hasn't built up the skill level to age gracefully and the reason I say I have empathy is because of the situation he comes home to Los Angeles and it looks like he's really going to ruin their chances here you know what I mean and Laker fans I'd give it till the all-star break before they fully turn on him and then what are you going to do like how's he going to be out in LA like I, I know it's, I hope he doesn't knock somebody out in like a a TCBY or something like that. Do they still have those frozen yogurt spots? But you know what I'm saying? Like Laker fans, they're going to get their phones out. They're going to be talking shit. Like he's not going to be able to like really go out in Los Angeles. Now, you know Russ is going to, but they're going to turn on him here, man. And this is, I don't know. Look, to me, AD has to man the fuck up and put Russ in his place. LeBron was out with his abdominal strain. I don't know, man. He's on the bench celebrating and standing. He wasn't acting like someone who had an abdominal strain, so I don't know what that's about. But Anthony Davis dominated the start of that game and then disappeared down the stretch for them as it became the Russell Westbrook show. Vogel can only do so much from the sidelines. At a certain point, Anthony Davis has to look this dude in the face and be like, look, bro, you need to fall back. This is my squad when LeBron's not on the floor. I guess... The conspiracy theorist in me is thinking like, are they doing this on purpose? Are, are Braun, AD, and, and Vogel to an extent letting Russ kind of crash and burn early so at some point here they can go, look, Russell, we tried things your way. Now we got to do things our way and you got to come off the bench. You can lead the bench mob. You can, you can be the most explosive six man the, the world has ever seen. But when it's crunch time and it slows down, you ain't going to be on the floor. So I don't know, man. I don't know. (laughs) I'd be lying to you if I didn't say that it wasn't highly enjoyable. I think every other team's fan base is loving this, right? We're loving watching this implode. And it's kind of like one of those, I told you so situations, right? Like this is, this is ugly. This is ugly. Braun might just pack it in for the season talking about my, oh, let's say my ab, it was my groin, my, my back, my neck and my back. Russ pussy and his crack. All right, I gotta edit that out. All right, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I had to start with that. Let's jump around the league here, though. Brooklyn the other night flex on the Atlanta Hawks, and they were talking about how Steve Nash said how patient Kevin Durant has been with this team, you know, through the ups and the downs and getting it together. And I agree he has. If you look at his demeanor on the court, at least from what I can see, you can he's, he's not as irritable. And you can see him. You can see it. And that only comes because of the experience in Golden State, right? It comes with experience and maturity and all the drama in Golden State and all that. But the reality of it is, is KD's legacy is set. He has his hardware and he knows what it takes. He knows that there's ups and downs and he's not overzealous. We were talking last episode about the Bulls and how these guys have come together at the right time in their career, where Durant, he's at a point in his career where he can afford to be patient, and he knows he has to be. Atlanta lost to Brooklyn the other night, and then they lose to a Donovan Mitchell-less jazz team last night. Jordan Clarkson was killing them. Here are Trey Young's numbers on this young season as they fall below five hundred. The Hawks are four and five. Trey Young is shooting 40% from the field, 27% from three. Everybody's been focusing on Harden and not getting to the line. And Trey, you know, he's he's amongst that group of guys, the, the cheapskates, right? But what I'm seeing is because of the way the game's being refereed now and the physicality, Trey's going to have to hulk up like Steph did. Remember, a couple years into it, Steph got a lot stronger. He realized oh, all, this, all, all this grabbing and pulling, I got to get stronger. Trey cannot play in this league the way they're refereeing it at 160 pounds. He, he can't. I think the physicality is too much for him, but there's various reasons. I, I don't think he's going to be this down all season long. It feels like the Hawks are in a similar funk as the Phoenix Suns. They overachieved a year ago. They've got a lot of expectations. And I think a young team, and they're younger than the Suns, but they kind of Have gone into the season with the expectations like it's going to be given to them like they give us our respect now and we're 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 here we've arrived no every season is its own and they've got to pay every opponent the the right amount of respect jumping around here since i compared the hawks to the suns robert sarver i'm not going to go too far into it are you surprised i think the more these investigations and exposures happen the better you heard drake kind of campaigning to to bring a WNBA team to Toronto, which makes a lot of sense. These young billionaires, these young rappers, these young brothers who are are, are becoming moguls, let them get in on the, on the ownership action. You saw D-Wade do it a year ago in Utah. And again, the more we can get these dudes up out of here, the more opportunities, because those positions, those slots, those spots of ownership, they don't open up much. These old dudes with money, they don't ever, they don't ever get up out of there. So yeah, I don't. I'm not surprised. Did it offend me? No, no. You know, come on, man. <laughs> you don't be naive, right? Like, is it? I'm not saying it's right. I'm just saying I'm not going to get fake woke mad about it. But again, if they can get these owners out of there, get some more progressive, rich young brothers in there, then the better. That's how I feel. Have y'all paid attention? I've been keeping an eye on my dude, Scotty Barnes. You know, I have him picked as rookie of the year, but real quietly, y'all know what the Toronto Raptors record is? Six and three. And once again, Nick Nurse is showing why he is the best coach in the NBA. I, I don't think it's really even close. They win with game plans. And they've given them all these long athletes so they can be very dynamic defensively. You know, he's like... You don't know what he's going to throw at you. Playing the Raptors in the regular season, it's like in football when you play a team coming off a bye week. They're just going to be more prepared for you, right? And that—that's what I see. And you know, does some of that advantage go away in the playoffs? Sure, it does. And do the—you know—I don't think they're true contenders here unless Siakam shows up. You know, looking like a different player. But uh, you know, he—he's just—it's it, not just that. It's the strategy as well. He out-strategizes, He overprepares. And so the Raptors, back on track to being an overachieving team that they have been under Nick Nurse, you saw the Sixers knock off this hot Bulls team the other day, an undermanned Sixers team. And apparently Joel Embiid hurt his knee about a week or so ago in New Orleans, and he's limping around, dragging the leg. I don't get it, man. Why is he playing? Why can't they tell him no? I don't even want to get into it, but he's out there. It, it just it's just looks real, real precarious for Embiid out there, but he's contributing. Like, I respect his toughness. I don't think it's a smart decision at this stage in the season. Then they got George Niang, the minivan out there. He's playing like 30 minutes a night. Tobias Harris is out, and he's giving them big points off the bench. I'm surprised Utah let him go, but I think when they got Rodney Hood and Utah wanted to get more athletic on the wing, it's understandable, but Niang, uh, Seth Curry's been going off. They've been doing it with depth, and then... You know, we all know Daryl Morey is kind of a wild boy, right? What if he traded Embiid and was like, look, man, this is your squad. We just traded Embiid for some shooters. My bad. This is your squad. Because I just, the the longevity of Embiid, you know, for instance, I know y'all going to get wound up over this one, but what if they traded Embiid to Golden State for Clay and Wiseman? You trade Seth and Embiid for Wiseman and Clay. So they bring back Clay, pure shooter. He's still gonna do what he do. Works for Ben, right? And then Young Wiseman at the center spot, who stretches the floor as well. He doesn't have to stay in the paint for Ben Simmons. And then Golden State go real hard for another championship or two. Anyway, anyway, that I I know, I know that's not gonna happen. I know that's not gonna happen. But um, what I was getting at is, if you look at the Sixers roster they could quickly pivot and kind of tear it down because they already have young players in place. Tyrese Maxey is emerging as a starting point guard. Float God. I really like Paul Reed. I did to Paul. I thought that was a steal in the second round. He's playing for them. You got Thibel. The Sheikh Milton's only like 24, 25 years old. Not that, not that they have a superstar young piece, but if they were to pivot out of this Embiid, obviously the Simmons, right, and, and get a bunch of young players, they could all of a sudden have a super nice young nucleus. So... You know, 76ers, it just feels like they're kind of bandaged up and they're kind of glued together right now. They're kind of stuck together, but it feels like it's gonna fall apart here pretty soon for them, just with the health and everything. It 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 looks tough. It looks tough for them as currently constructed. I did enjoy watching Andre Drummond in his true role as a backup. Right? Drummond is he's, he's a perfect role, backup and beat. And I think it was kind of smart of him to sign there, understanding, like, yo, and beat, how many games is he gonna play? And so he's out there. You know, doing what he do, and uh, I'm tough on drumming. He's not a complete bum. Well, he's kind of a bum. He's kind of a bum. <laughs> All right, let's get to this Warriors Hornets game. When was it Wednesday night? And you look at the Warriors now. Everybody is jumping back on the bandwagon. I think they're ranked number one in defense. I said it in the breakdown. Go check it out on the Patreon. Their defense kind of reminds me of that. Is it the 2000? Was it the 18 Rockets? Where? they've just are really good at closing out on the threes. They're repping it, they're teaching it, and they have the personnel to do it. And so they just run you off the three-point line super well. And the emergence of Gary Payton II in that game, what are we calling him, y'all? Young Glove, the Mitten, the Body Bag, Alcatraz, GP2. You can take your choice. Either way, the dude's averaging like a steal a minute. And the irony is, it was the Kelly Oubre revenge game. He got it. He didn't just get it. He got baptized by Gary Payton at the rim. I know y'all saw it, and Gary Payton is playing the Kelly Oubre role better than Kelly at what one thirtieth the price when you take the tax into the equation. People were upset about. The Avery Bradley decision. And it looks like they they made the right choice. GP2 is super dynamic. I was concerned watching him in summer league. I was concerned with his kind of guard skills. And my guy pointed it out. And he's like, look, Gary Payton's not a guard, really, right? He guards guards, but offensively, he's a forward. He's very good in the dunker spot. You don't see a guy that size, that comfortable in the dunker spot. He has floaters, he has touch. Obviously, he can finish above the rim. He's got timing. And so you know, I mean, you add Gary Payton to this rotation, if he's going to be this, if if GP's going to be this, it's like farting in water, man, right? It, it changes everything. All right. I'm, I, you can see I'm up today. I'm uh, why, why wouldn't I be excited about this squad? Man, it's been a while. It's been a while, right? We've been down and now we up. I think we got to give credit to the organization. Are they once again light years ahead? And I, I use that phrase jokingly, right? But it seems like they have recalibrated and kind of righted the course. A lot of people, the last two years were questioning the organization because let's face it, a lot of it was luck initially. If you look down the timeline of how the dynasty became right, you're like, Oh, okay. Well, they, they damn near traded Steph for Amari Stoudemire. They luckily, I won't say lucked into Clay, but Clay was there at 11, right? Um, I think the one move that Bob Myers got a lot of credit for was oh he he finagled Andre Iguodala. I didn't know how they could do that, right? They bring in Andre and then KD chose Golden State, right? And so even Kerr he didn't mess it up, but you were like how good of a coach is he? Is he what type of a coach is he I should say, right? And and uh and how good do we evaluate talent? Once the dynasty was over, once KD left, now You're evaluating something else because before it was maintaining the superstars and and maintaining cohesiveness. And then all of a sudden it was like, can they develop young players? Can Kerr be a coachy coach? Can he coach games when, you know, when you don't have a talent advantage, all these things were kind of unanswered. And now we're starting to see the answer. And I don't think they knew themselves. They had to prove it to themselves, but you saw them recalibrate with the new staff Kerr being far less rigid. The development of jp3 jordan Poole had a pool party i i, I kind of buried the lead because as good as gary payton was in that game it was jordan Poole that really carried the way seven threes it's like steph chill you under the weather i got you i got you you saw him kind of slow down and i think there was an element to pool in that game where he liked that they needed him more like he understood curry wasn't feeling good he was like i got you i got this i need this i've been waiting for this Right. So pools development. What I'm getting at is here as I kind of ramble is that I think that we as a fan base should be way more optimistic moving forward about developing coming about developing Wiseman and the personnel choices that they're going to make as well as Kerr as a coach, because the la- again, the last two seasons, it didn't look great. But you've seen them learn from their mistakes, recalibrate and all of a sudden we up again. Top of the league. I did want to shout out Miles Bridges. It's kind of stunning. To see the leap he's taken. And I know this may sound kind of blasphemous, but physically speaking, as an athlete, he kind of reminds me of LeBron. The body type, the strength, and the elevation. Now, maybe like a 30-year-old LeBron, not young LeBron. He he's not as fast as LeBron up and down the court. And clearly he's not the be-all, you know, like point forward that LeBron. I'm not saying he plays exactly like him, but just there's. Physically, as an athlete, there's some similarities. He's kind of upright and stiff, but he's so strong and explosive. He doesn't really have to beat you. If he just gets you on the hip or on the shoulder, boom, he can bump you off, he can elevate, and then he's got touch. The shot looks pure, man. I, I think the question is Is Miles Bridges going to get a max? And how I would evaluate that is obviously the season has to play out, but can he close games? Can he be a closer? He's a 25 point game scorer. I think the new physicality rules have benefited him. But can he be a closer? That's the separator. And if he can close out games, he couldn't do it for them the other night as as, as the Warriors pulled away, right? I think Gordon Hayward's still kind of in that role. That will be the question, but um, very impressed. Very impressed with Miles Bridges taking that step. I've had some of y'all ask, hey man, make the Hezzy longer. I'll try when I can, but part of the concept of the Hezzy is it being efficient listening. You, you notice there's no ads, I'm not telling you about walking my dog. I'm not, no small talk. We're getting right to the action. And so it's sped up. It's condensed. But this is a little longer one here. So the Celtics, the Celtics drama, they had the players only meeting. You know, smart calls out Brown and Tatum. They take a trip down to Florida. They handled the young Orlando magic. And then last night, or I should say yesterday afternoon here on the West Coast, they take out the Heat. And look, I don't want to be the I told you so guy, but what I say about this Heat roster and their durability, Kyle Lowry sprains his ankle on, I believe it was Duncan Robinson trying to take a charge. Kyle Lowry sprained his ankle on someone trying to take a charge. Anyway, Boston kind of dominated the game. It was, it's hard to gauge. It was kind of like, did Miami come out flat? I think it was a little bit of both, right? But you've already seen Udoka adjust the lineups. Smith, big game. Romeo Lankford, big game. They've got to play. There's more energy to the young guys. So the young guys played and contributed. Um, but there were a lot of casualties of war in that game. Jalen Brown hurt his hamstring. Uh, obviously, Lowry sprained his ankle. I feel like someone else went out of that game. Um, but I was watching Jalen Brown in the third quarter, man. Before he went out, damn, he's selfish, man. He is a selfish player. The more I watch him, like he, it, it almost felt like he was icing out uh, Lankford for about a five-minute phase in that third quarter where there were four or five times where he could have just swung the ball an extra time or dropped a pass off as he got downhill and created a shot for someone else, and he just forced shots up. He just jacked shots up. And so, yeah, I don't know. I think that if you're Boston, you got to feel better about the effort. Obviously, the two wins, but I think the core root of the problem is still there with Jalen and and then Tatum struggling, man. Tatum, I don't think Tatum scored till the fourth quarter, late in the third quarter. And talking about these rules and the physicality, Jason Tatum's gonna have to adjust his game. It's gonna force him to learn to play bully ball. Use that big frame with the physicality here because his little finesse dancing pretty game, it's not working for him here early. But yeah, Jalen Brown, man, damn. I like him. I'm a Jalen Brown fan, but bro, bro is greedy out there. Bleacher Report did a fantasy draft of players 23 and younger. They only did seven picks. I don't know if they're going to release another seven. Here goes the draft. Number one pick, Luca, Number two, Tatum. Number three, Zion. Number four, Ja. Number five, Trey. Number six, Jaron Jackson Jr. And number seven, SGA. Now, I don't want to be a prisoner in the moment here, but if I was making the draft right now, today, today, I had to pick these guys under twenty-three. I'd go Ja, Luca, SGA, Tatum, Trey, Jaron Jackson Jr., and then Zion goes without saying. Like at Zion's current state, where would he go in a in a a draft like this? Right? Like it's it's just way too risky. Jaron Jackson Jr., man, he's I don't know how he's developing. I'm, I'm, I'm cooling on Jaron Jackson Jr. I really am. And just how he hovers out on that three-point line, his foul problems. I, I don't know. I don't know about him. But Ja is just looking like he's going to, again, prisoner of the moment, maybe the way the season started. But Ja, his the his ability, the thing, the difference, you say, all right, I like Lucas size. Luca's is this, this, that, right? But like Ja, tell me if I'm wrong here. He elevates his teammates more than Luka. Jaw's teammates look like they're having more fun. It looks like it's more fun to play with Jaw, right? The pace, the, just the, the excitement, the charisma. And he's taking the step. He's figuring out the, the three point game. So I got Jaw there. I think SGA was way too low on that. And uh, yeah, we talked about Trey, but yeah, that's how I'd go with that list. That's how I'd go with that list. All right, let me wrap this up here. Before I do, I got a question from my guy 40 on Twitter. He asked me, does Alex Caruso embody the quote, living up to your potential more than any other NBA player. And and he says, I mean that as a total compliment. My question to you, Alk, what players are the other end of that spectrum squandering their talent? To me, Caruso is an overachiever, right? Like, I think he's maximized his talent. Man, the Lakers, they they messed that up. I, I know Horton Tucker is the sexier player, the younger guy, but... Anyway, um, I do definitely think that there is an archetype. There is a type over the years of player that tends to not live up to their potential. And it's the hybrid kind of big forward who wants to play like a guard. You can go back to Derek Coleman. And, and it's, it's subjective because you say, well, Derek Coleman, what, he probably made two or three all-star games. Like he was still a star player, but his potential, <laughs> Derek Coleman, right? Let's go to Lamar Odom. Again, he won a championship for the Lakers. He was a sixth man of the year. Did he win that one time, right? But his potential could have been so much more, right? I'll bring it home to the Warriors, Anthony Randolph. How about Sacramento, Marvin Bagley? I'd even throw in Brandon Ingram at this point. If you want to talk about living up to the potential, it seems as though the archetype of a a long forward who kind of wants to play on the perimeter, a lot of those guys, it never comes to fruition for them. This UFC card is great. I'm not even gonna hold you usually i'll try to uh stream i'll try to find a stream of the of the pay-per-views right this one i'll, I'll probably just cop probably just cop because this is a good one here man um two title fight rematches with just great storyline colby covington thug rose nama unis versus Wei lee zhang i hope i said her name right and then you got the, just the banger and michael chandler and justin Gaishi. right so kamar usman look it's hard to bet against the black GSP. However, that being said, it's the thing about this card that's so great is again, you've got these fights and there's no heavy favorite. It could really, I, don't, I wouldn't feel comfortable betting on any of these fights. Let me preference that, but it'd be hard to bet against Usman, right? Um, the way I see him losing would be if, you know, he ate a bad leg kick, couldn't plant off the leg or something like that. Kobe, he might, he's going to have to chop his leg down. That would be my game plan is, is take away his lead leg. You got you to do something to compromise Usman. If he's healthy throughout the fight, he's probably going to win the fight. That's my pick. Maybe like a third, fourth round TKO. For Thug Rose, I've said this so many times. I have a hard time placing my faith in, in, in Rose because I think she's mentally weak, man. You know, she's so talented as a striker. You know who she kind of reminds me of is Anderson Silva because she's just a sniper right at any second she can end the fight with some sort of dynamic strike and she's <clears throat> excuse me and she's very accurate but the way you watch how pat barry has to build her up and the way she speaks and i just every fight going in i just don't trust her psyche i think the longer the fight goes on the more of an advantage way lee will have and i think that she's going to break her spirit eventually i think she's going to survive you know She's not going to get caught with something wild. And then as it goes on, you're going to see her physicality, strength, and mental toughness win the fight. So I got the title exchanging hands back to Wei Lee in that one. And then Chandler Gagey, I can't call it. Who could call it? I'll go Justin just because I think his chin is stronger at this point. If it's going to be a barn burner. It's going to be a brawl. Then I think Gagey will, will be able to eat more punches and survive. So I got him winning that. But I'm not really pulling for anyone in this car. There's not someone that I that I hate. Even Kobe, it, it's an act, y'all. Like, don't get trolled by Kobe. He's not that guy. And so um, I don't I don't have any vested interest in one person winning. I just want to see explosive finishes. Pause. This is the Hezi. Brought to you by BasketballGods.net. I'm out, y'all.